Welcome back, Dreadfuls. You're listening to another episode of Left for Dread, the horror podcast for everyone from newbies to fanatics. We are not a spoiler-free podcast. Make sure you've seen the movie or movies we're talking about before you listen. I'm one of your hosts, Rye. Nah. Da na da na 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 Chris Attack! Hi! <laughs> I'm one of your other hosts. Chris. <laughs> And we are recording this on board the quite sunken Orca. Quint has just left us. Fuck, poor Quint. Quint, come back. Where'd you go? Crazy fucker. I love that, by the way. That whole whole character. Let's just dive right into it. So, yes, happy 4th of July, everybody. We're doing Jaws. (laughs) Yes, happy 4th of July. This is the only way to celebrate 4th of July because everything else is canceled. One of the last Fourth of July episodes we did, oh, God. we reviewed Uncle Sam, and Rob was like, "Never again." Never so, again. <laughs> so I was like, "Well, Jaws. How about Jaws. that?" And so it's infinitely better. I would say so, and it holds up. It is honestly, it's such, it's such a classic. I told my parents I was watching Jaws, and they were like, "Well, it's a way to spend a weekend watching a classic movie." And then my father said something that I'm like inclined not to believe, but he told me that Robert Shaw, the actor that plays Quint, when he did that whole monologue about the about the Navy, about the USS every- Indianapolis. Yeah, he said that Robert Shaw was drunk off his ass when he did that, but they kept it in because they loved what he did. I I don't know if that's true. <laughs> Rob- like- I mean, we'll, we'll get into it, but um, Robert Shaw was uh, drunk for a lot of the production. Like he, I don't know if the uh, yeah. Method acting? My, uh, no, well, I don't know. I think he, uh, I think he suffered from like alcoholism. Um, oh, but, okay. But like one of the, one of the, I mean, there was like many things that went awry during production, and like one of the biggest sources of conflict was like Robert Shaw, like being this hurricane force on set, particularly between him and Robert Dreyfus, who played Hooper. Oh, I'm sorry, Richard. Richard Dreyfus. Like him and Robert like, were at each other's throws like all the time mm. um, during production. But uh, Spielberg, you know, thought that was a good thing because it made their in-character relationship, especially the tension, uh, the, the tension they had for a lot of the movie until the third act, like much more believable and realistic. But yeah, that being said, we'll get all to that. Uh, we are celebrating Fourth of July with Jaws. Um, actually. This year, 2020, as horrible as it's, been, as it's been, it is the 45th anniversary of Jaws. Uh, technically, on June 20th, uh, that was the original distribution date or the release date. Um, so this movie is, or it's almost 50. It's like it's been around for a while, but happy birthday, Jaws! Happy birthday, Jaws! And um, yeah, I love this film. This film is so great and. Uh, besides the fact that it's it's 45 like there's it's it's a timeless film and i uh, we need i think it's a perfect way to celebrate for the july by talking about this film oh a hundred percent i know richard dreyfus like didn't think that this movie was gonna do well which i mean like i there are three movies that come to mind when i think of richard dreyfus because I saw all three of them as a child. Jaws, Mr. Holland's Opus, and, and Poseidon. That's it. But he's had, like, quite the career. 
Uh, it's interesting. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, so with Jaws, no one had really made a movie like this before. I mean, yeah, of course there were like there were monster movies, but the scale that they that they did this on, but like that mechanical shark, as many issues as it gave them, no one had ever done anything like that. You want to talk about like we talk about all the time how much we value practical effects. They built like a giant fucking mechanical shark for this movie. They actually built three mechanical right. sharks. Right, uh, right, right. right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was just, it was a one of a kind thing. Like, um, you know, Spielberg at the time, he was like 27, 28 years old. Um, he had like one other major film under his belt. And then he worked a bunch on a show with Rod Sterling, like after his stint on Twilight Zone. So, uh spielberg he was ambitious but this is a spielberg at a time where he thought like his career was over before it began um he didn't really want to do the shark picture so many people didn't like they were like in the blind and this production just was mired with so many unknowns for example like no one had no one had filmed a shark movie let alone a shark movie of like this magnitude um um so they were like well they were like oh yeah we'll figure it out we'll, we'll, we'll just build a shark and um <laughs> or the fact that like no one like spielberg he's very high concept director and you know he's very particular about the look and the feel of the movie uh so another thing that was never done before uh, on this film was like no i don't want to i don't want to film this on a, in a tank i don't want to film it on a on a, on a flat lake or, or a pool no i want to feel i want to film this on the actual ill film this in the actual atlantic ocean that has never that has never been done before this film and like the, the they went through so much trouble and now they would film it in a tank for the reasons that they encountered in this movie, like for all the problems, like you build a mechanical shark. First of all, there are things about mechanics now that I'm sure you could do. I've heard great things about a certain creature feature that is slated for our, oh, you know what? I was about to say something that was totally untrue. They didn't use a mechanical creature for the reason of Jaws. So never mind. But mm. it's it is a creature feature that we are going to do eventually um it's called crawl <laughs> <laughs> it's about crawl. a fucking gator <laughs> um <laughs> so yeah so right that's what that's what alexander aja said i i seem to remember them saying something to the effect of it wasn't just about them putting the shark in the water there was something specific i think about like the the salt water of the ocean oh, that yeah. was making it particularly hard so, to deal with all of this oh my okay so they they named the mechanical shark bruce after steven spielberg's lore uh so it's officially <laughs> named bruce uh and the thing about isn't that a, um like an like a i don't want to call it a pet name but like a pet name for a lawyer don't they call them sharks uh I, isn't that like a thing is it i i, I guess i can it see that be. yeah sure <laughs> uh i did i do know that like his i knew i do know like bruce the actual lawyer got really started to get really annoyed that he's he was sharing a name with the fish but come on it's it's the most famous shark of all time um so <laughs> the thing about the thing about uh the mechanical sharks uh they were built on some special special effects set or company in California. So when they were testing it, 
they were testing it in a freshwater environment or tank or vet. So when they shipped it to Martha's Vineyard, uh, which was the sh- the the shooting location for a- a- Amity, you know, it was it was all seawater, it was all salt water. So when they were testing out Bruce, the salt water started eating away, like literally eating away all the inner electronics and and uh, um, hydraulics, all the all the innards of the of Bruce. So on site, they literally had to rip apart and re or like remake the entire innards of Bruce uh, using, and then they, uh, it became like this system of like pneumatic hoses and tubes. And, and uh, so when they were filming the scenes, they had a whole bunch of these water, or I'm sorry, air pressure pumps and, and tubes snaking the shark to this uh, makeshift underwater crane. And it, took maybe like at least 10 to 12 people all pushing and pulling levers uh like some levers uh open and close the eyes other levers uh made the fish or made made like the the tail move uh, or the jaws move so it was clearly a herculean effort and uh i think the the first time the first time they tried out bruce uh bruce actually sank to the bottom Oh, of, the, of the ocean or of the seabed so they couldn't use like it took them forever to to um wait are you telling me that there is a bruce in the bottom of the ocean oh, right now no they got it eventually it just took them a while <laughs> it was it was that plus all the incessant headaches of them basically refixing and rewelding bruce every single day of filming because you know, in over their heads, they uh, their ambitions were huge, uh, and like they were just trying to figure out what to do. And so, you know, like we say, like necessity is a child of invention. And just because Bruce itself was just being so broken all the time, uh, and they tend this is a shark movie, and Steven Ber- Spielberg and the rest of the production team they didn't have a shark. Uh, uh, he was like, well, what do I do? Uh, and he, so he looked to his personal heroes like like Alfred Hitchcock. He devised uh, a great, great workaround, which is, which, which, which is what we see in the final product where so much of the movie don't see the killer in the water. We, uh, the, 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 the audience's mind, their imagination projects what what's happening um and you don't see the shark until like an hour and 20 minutes into the film this is a two-hour film like you only see the shark like in the last 40 minutes um and they did some really clever alex kittner dies an hour and 20 minutes into the movie oh wait that's right okay well we okay we you don't i'm sorry let me retract that you don't see the shark in full like uh that scene where like brody's uh putting in the chum Oh yeah, come down here and chum some of this shit. <laughs> yeah, and then he and like he just that's like that's like about hour twenty minutes in. Yeah, but Alex Kinner he dies about like half, uh, maybe like a second, two thirds of the movie. But we do, yeah, even, but even then, then we don't. You're see... right. You don't see him in full. You just see, you basically just see him like turning over. Now that scene was originally much more graphic, mm-hmm. but they took it out. Um, so I think like the. You don't, it don't, he never really gets too graphic until the end when he kills Quint. Exactly. That, um, 
you see I think, everything. Yeah, I I know. I mean, there was the Alice Kinder scene, um, which is really interesting how how um, they filmed that. So basically, they grabbed this uh, out, they grabbed this kid, Jace, or not just J not Jason for you. I'm thinking of. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking of uh, Friday the Thirteenth. What's his name? Um, Michael. Michael Voigt. No, is it? Are you okay? Okay, the kid. His name is Michael. But if you're talking about slashers, Michael Myers is from Halloween. Oh, like I'm, oh god, what was his last name? Oh, J Jeffrey Voorhees. That that was the actor who played the kid. We went all the way around in a circle with that. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, yeah, so Jeffrey Voorhees, he played he played Alex, the kid uh, who got who gets killed, and um, so he's about 12 years old at the time of the filming. So he's on that little yellow flotation device, and. Uh, they rigged up like this giant contraption in the middle of the sea, and then when he when he gave the cue, kid uh, starts flailing and he gets underwater, and they shoot out off like this giant cannon full of like fake blood and, and like guts. And uh, eventually, I know with Voorhees, he had trouble staying underwater the entire time. So what they did afterwards was some guy in a scuba suit. Like was basically basically holding on to the kid, and he he like lifted him up, and then and then he dragged him into the water, and then fed him air, uh, from a scuba suit as like all the crazy gore is being blasted into the sky, which is really cool. I love that. I love that. That's not even. I don't think so. I learned something while we were while we were doing this. I always knew that the Alex Kittner death was supposed to be much more gruesome than it actually was, but they didn't include it or they didn't do it or something like that but evidently according to a sci-fi article that i read you know in sort of um in tone with the 45th anniversary that wasn't the goriest scene that was deleted from the movie the goriest scene that was deleted from the movie occurs when they're in the pond and brody's two sons are in the boat the man that saves Michael's son, the, the guy that gets eaten, you just see his leg drop down, which is so effective and so good. He had the most violent death scene of the entire movie, and they decided that it didn't tonally work with it. So they were going, so they cut it out. Yeah. Yeah. If I remember correctly, that deleted scene was supposed to be like the guy, like, <clears throat> like pushing the kids out of the way or like or essentially saving the kids and mm -hmm. then he gets like horrifically mauled uh but yeah uh, that i think that's still available like the deleted scenes um and one of the blu-rays or dvds out there so it is and i think it's i think it's kind of um i think it's funny how they said for 1975 it tonally wouldn't have worked with the movie but if they remade jaws today which i have news about that um Absolutely, that scene would be in there, and every death would escalate in terms of gore. Yeah, so it's it's really interesting because like Steven Spielberg, he he was just trying to play the cards like really close to the chest. So you know, you know, Bruce was broken on production all the time. So uh, he created, or one of the, one of this one of the filmographers that created this um, rig for the camera, it could float and it shot simultaneously above and below the water uh so it it mimicked the effect of shooting underneath people who are swimming but you you don't quite know what's under on the water which uh and it's kind of like the pov of the shark which is really effective which helped 
establish a lot of the tone. But you know what really also helps with creating that whole visual and that whole scene of of being in the perspective of the shark is the music that John Williams is the score yeah. for this movie. I hear it. I'm shit you not. I am not a child anymore. I love swimming. I love going in the water. Jaws never like had that in that kind of an effect on me that I wouldn't want to go in the water. But I will tell you the effect it did have on me. I don't stay under the water in the ocean for too long anymore. I used to before I saw this movie. I, there's something about it where like I can't. It's like if you're under the water for too long. What if the in <laughs> young Ryan thought that. If she stayed under the water for too long after seeing Jaws, that there would be people on the beach calling shark and she wouldn't hear them because she was under the water swimming right for it. Because that's what my brain went to. And I can still hear the music every time I go under the water. I can hear yeah. it when I go in the ocean. <laughs> yeah, even though Spielberg admitted like this movie wouldn't have been as half as successful without john williams's score uh i know i mean th this movie was like like a giant springboard for so many people like the shark has Spielberg. its own walk-on music like who exactly. does that <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it's and, and it's become a, a pop culture pop culture staple it's been endlessly parodied and memed everywhere uh and it's just so iconic and it's just so simple and then um I I I don't quite remember what John Williams worked on before this, but this is definitely one of like one of his, one of his breakout moments. Um, you know, obviously, um, Williams won the Academy Award uh, for this for his work, and since then, I believe. Well, I mean, this film in general has been put into the National Film Registry for preservation. I forget if william's work was preserved but it should be because like it should be yeah it's so iconic so one thing i'll say about this movie that almost sort of ha that has to do with i think the just overall impact that this movie had when i was very little i went to universal studios there used to be a jaws ride oh the that jaws ride was so good i i miss that ride okay right i, I know I have an irrational dislike for Harry Potter world, not because I don't like Harry Potter, but because they tore down the Jaws ride to make room for Harry Potter world. It's like, as ah! they well fucking should, as they well fucking should. So here's the thing. I, like I said, I was never, this, this movie never made me afraid of the ocean. It might've given me like a small phobia of sharks. <laughs> But I was never, like, afraid to go back in the ocean. Somebody actually ended up ruining this fantasy of Jaws for me a little bit later in life, which made the movie very hard to watch afterwards for a couple of years. I, like, didn't watch Jaws. Um, but I'll, I'll get to that. Um, I'm at Universal Studios with my parents. And I want to go on the Jaws ride. Because I'm like, I'm, I'm good. Like, let's do this. You can find a video of this ride on YouTube. They exist. So we picked the seat close to the water. And little, little Ryan is sitting very close. 
I know I have some idea of, that the shark is probably going to come to the boat and do the whole thing, and I'm like ready for it. I didn't anticipate me being in the right seat where the head comes out of the water and it's right here and little Ryan is right here too. And my dad decides that it would be hilarious if, so the shark comes out of the water like twice before they quote unquote kill it or some shit. Shark comes out of the water, scares the bejesus out of me. And as I'm trying to calm down, my father thinks it's a really good idea to stick his hand in the water and like play around with me. So, of course, now I'm screaming on the ride. <laughs> and I'm so traumatized. I want to, like, jump off the boat and go swim back. So, because uh, I'm just so done with it. So, I'm really happy that they tore down that ride. No, I no, miss it. I, I only went on that ride once because even though I knew it was fake, the whole, the whole memory of it, I was so traumatized that I was like, I can't get back on this ride ever oh again. God. Even though I know it's I, fake, I can't do it. I can't do I it. I miss that ride so much. I, I mean, I know like, thank goodness, you know, for YouTube, uh, where, you know, I could easily, you know, go to YouTube and you could swim watch. down memory lane whenever you want, Chris. Well, I, I just, oh my God. I, that, <laughs> that ride was so good. Like I love that ride so much. Again, again, not not anything against Harry Potter. I just don't like it because like they, they killed one of my favorite rides at Universal. Good, <laughs> good. I fucking hate that ride. I hate it so much. <laughs> not because I hate Jaws. I love Jaws, but like I. Hate what do you it. have against Bruce? 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 That's not Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> what I will say is watching Jaws during coronavirus hits different it really like I'm does watching, i'm watching the mayor react a certain kind of way and i'm just like oh god i can't, I can't. you're yes. you are acting in the best interest of the people my ass you let chief brody get slapped across the face even though his knee-jerk reaction was to close the beaches you fuckwad yeah, yeah, because uh, the economy, or, or, or like you know, like political pressure. Like this is a summer town. We want to keep this summer, right? And, um, and I mean, it, it really does. Um, you know, in twenty twenty, you know, you know, there's a looming threat, and uh, you have a bunch of reasonable people like Chief Brody, um, yeah, or. <clears throat> Or um, ha uh, Hooper, you know the the scientist, uh, mm -hmm. who are saying who are saying like don't don't no, don't open up the beaches, don't open up places, don't yep. go out. <laughs> there th you will get killed. And what do people do? They go out, and you know the the, the U.S. has still has the highest death rate because of Corona, and it's also still has the high one of the highest uh, reinfection rates. Because we opened too early, like they did open, or they reopened too early. And 45 years later, Jaws, you know, has re-entered the, it just became relevant again. In and in a way that I don't think anyone thought was remotely possible in this way. Anticipated us going through a pandemic, Chris. <laughs> exactly. It's just crazy. <laughs> in a world where, where this would be, re would be relevant. So one thing that among all one thing that among like all the things that Jaws 
is praised for and highlighted and things like that is that really famous dolly zoom shot that they do on brody on the beach when the kittner kid gets killed that shot is taught i will get i will say this with confidence in every single film class that's taught across america i learned about it in every single film class i took and even if it was repetitious like it didn't matter when they're showing you examples of shots that you can use in order to set up a scene or how you want to say something in the scene, you always watch that scene in that movie. And they break it down for you and explain why it's effective. Yeah, it's called the forward tracking zoom out shot. Yep. And it's so iconic. Like it's, literally, it's literally called the jaw shot. Yep. And you learn about it in every single film class. And it's just... I get chills whenever I see that just because like it's that fully realized moment where you understand the magnitude of everything that's happening. And I just love the way it's all built up. The kid is there are people screaming and playing in the water and there is a kid singing on the beach. And then this guy is playing fetch with his dog. And then all of a sudden the dog's gone. Where'd the dog go? And then there comes the shark. It, the whole the whole thing is just like a masterclass in scene work and in camera work. And whether or not Spielberg knew what the hell he was doing when he did that doesn't even matter anymore because it is it is that iconic. <laughs> like, I, I think it's just because uh, uh, Spielberg had a great team behind them supporting even, even despite like all the troubles they went through like they they stuck it through i know this movie uh, the the film time was like 128 days which is really unheard of in the film yeah. industry. It's, it's like three times as long as it's supposed to be um you know they were clearly over budget and it, it was strange because like uh uh at the time was in production with like two other films. Uh, I forget the name in the first film, but the second film uh, was basically uh, a film about the Hindenburg. Universal at the time wasn't giving, I mean, they provided support of course, but like they were viewing it as like, you know, a schlocky monster flick. Uh, So it wasn't exactly the highest priority on Universal Pictures for providing as much resources as they, as they can. I mean, obviously, like, you know, that's where ingenuity comes in and doing these tricks and trying to figure out what to do on a shooting budget or under pressure. Like, again, like, this is one of these films where, like, so many things went wrong and there were so many things that could have taken it out. You know, we talked about Bruce. We talked about struggles, struggles with just filming and technology in general. And uh, there was the... I know Spielberg at the time he was under intense pressure to finish it in a really short timetable because there was a an actor strike going on, so uh, there was a significant amount of time where Spielberg couldn't cast like the main characters, um, and it was only through like you know sheer luck or um, that uh, he got his team. Like for example, Roy Schneider. Or Roshider, the you know, uh, our main protagonist Brody, Spielberg just ran into him, uh, literally at a dinner party. Uh, uh, Roy Scheider came up to Spielberg. He, he was 
saying, hey, uh, you seem all alone at this party. Uh, how are you? And they and Spielberg just his heart just broke open. He just, he just start started talking with Roy for hours just about like production and all of his worries uh, and the fact that uh, he he churned through five or six actors because he couldn't fill fill the main lead. And Roy was like, "Hey, I'm an actor. I'll, I'll I would love to be in your film." Um, I'm not doing anything right now. Exactly. I'm at work. Exactly. I mean, that's pretty much. And like, uh, I like secretly, like it's, uh, Spielberg. Like he's he's very well aware of Roy. Like he enjoyed his work in the French Connection. But Spielberg was like, he did. He was. He, Spielberg was quint. He was fishing, and then he got Roy. Like the like one of the best parts of the film. I really do admire the person that plays Brody, and I. I love and appreciate so much of this movie. However, they did something to this movie that should never have been done, let alone done four more times, which was make a sequel. There are five Jaws movies. I always thought there was two sequels. No, I think there's like four, I think there's like four or five. I think there's a lot of Jaws movies. I think it at least goes up to a four. Pretty sure there's a Jaws 4. Uh I think there's three sequels. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Jaws and, and it's stupid because it centers around this shark and like the supposed family it made, and the family of sharks goes after Brody's family because they all know it's a revenge trasher film with sharks. Chris, it's so fucking stupid. Even for like the 70s. Like, why would you? Like, I get it. You're monetizing on something that was like a smash fucking hit. So, you know, ride the wave, duplicate it, duplicate the shit out of it, and just, you know. Well, when, when you're, when you're, I mean, again, we have this conversation all the time. It's like that pendulum between making art and business. And, and, and Jaws, Jaws uh, was, probably the first hollywood summer blockbuster where it, it, it presented like this rise and or i guess this new wave of genre film where it's like it's like quote unquote like a simple concept uh with high-minded actors and special effects and production and uh, i mean jaws definitely took upon that character uh it's it was extremely successful it, you just had literal lines going around multiple blocks at the time like the most profitable uh film to come out um and it definitely spawned like this new hollywood making model and uh it was definitely like the the genesis and then we would see it you know a mere two two years later when like the first star wars movie comes out mm-hmm. um and when you have when you have like lightning in a bottle like that, you know, obviously studio execs will want to capitalize on it. I, and uh, like Spielberg, right as he is, he, like, he mentioned uh, to the audience at a film festival that like, you know, making a sequel, especially to something as beautiful as Jaws, is just a cheap carnival trick. And he was right. But that's not going to stop other people. I mean, like Steve Spielberg made, made his mark, but like, you know, if if a if a, if a, co- a film company is, is hell bent on making a sequel, you know sometimes they'll do it without you, and you know, and without realizing like the magic, or the like, with without realizing this was alchemy. Like there are certain things that you know you can't recreate. 
you know the the condition the conditions were right beforehand you can't it's really hard to recapture that even for all those sins i can forgive the sequels purely because i've seen rumors of a jaws remake there's no reason for that it, it, they'll use a cgi shark it won't be good it'll be filmed in a tank it's just like it's very disheartening to see something that is a classic be redone especially when there's no call for it there's no need for it and i think it'll lose the effectiveness that it has on its fans by giving it the remake treatment and more to that point i found the original um review from one of the original reviews from 1975 of jaws that somebody did and this is actually like my favorite part of this review it's frightening for a rather simple reason the threat of what you can't see is far more worrying than the fear of what you can especially if it's likely if it is likely to rise up out of the water and bite you between the legs having first removed them it's the opposite of a voyeur's movie since Bruce, for all the special effects men's skill, is less scary the moment he's visible. Fine. You don't like the way the goddamn shark looks. Whatever. But they make a point. It's part of why Jaws is so terrifying is because it's what you can't see. It's, it, it's not even necessarily the fear of the unknown, which it kind of borders on. But it's the fear of, of the unknown specifically as it like relates to the ocean almost. You don't know what's there. There's no way you can know. And, and you're dealing. You're dealing. It, it, it's 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 cool because like uh, you could look at it as one way as uh, a story of like from a science band. Like you're you're fighting or you're chasing or hunting a creature of evolution, like the perfect killer from millions of years of evolution. Um, and at the other hand, like. You could look at it as a as a sort of esoteric take on like what what it what it means or the the journey when you're fighting against like quote unquote like an evil like malevolent force and um, and our characters when you look at it that way it pre presents like three different ways of like fighting evil or fighting like the unknown uh, you have. Um, you have uh, Richard Dreyfus as as uh, as Hooper, who's a man of science. Like, yes, we will use science, we will use technology, we will use gadgets and rationale to fight it. And then you have Quint, uh, who's who's kind of uh, here, kinda average like a drunk fisherman. Well, yes, but yeah, like he's kind of like a zealot, he's a fanatic. Like he takes on for him, like fighting the shark is like a spiritual battle, especially like you know, especially after being a survivor of the USS Indianapolis and him being one of the one of the 300 out of 1100 people who were killed by sharks and now he has like this obsessive zealous zealotrous uh or zealous quest uh to kill sharks and then you have like the man in the middle who stands in the audience like it's the common everyday man and it's like the common everyday man who stands up like that's the guy who can make great profound change or profound change uh it's really cool i mean there's another way you can look at it um I, I know for me like the this analysis is a little bit over my head but like i know uh when you look at a lot of critics they compare jaws uh as like a political commentary based on like nixon and the watergate scandal at the time um so i mean there's it's 
there's a lot of ways to read it. It's really cool. I, and and even now, even now in 2020, it's like an it's like a parable, an allegory for like quarantine and like for quarantine you know, and coronavirus and the handling yeah. of all of that too. Exactly. Have you ever read the book? I have it. Um, but that was one of the reasons why Universal was so intent on capitalizing it because like around the time uh pre-production was happening which was in itself like uh, a huge headache the the book was like number one on the on the reader's list like it was it was like it was it was capturing uh nationwide attention and so it was one of the reasons why like the movie was you know pitched or written to a script in the first place Here's here's where I take issue with the idea that they could remake this. I I mean, obviously, apart from just <clears throat> having an issue with remakes in general, especially when there are so many other stories that you could be telling. I think it was in 2018 we saw The Meg, which is a giant shark movie with Jason big, Statham. It was big budget. The the megalodon was all CGI. I'm guessing. Yep. Yes, they're extinct. You can't you can't have a giant megalodon anymore. Like they're gone. They're dead. But it's basically the megalodon was a giant prehistoric shark, and they went extinct. Great whites and other sharks are like living dinosaurs because they've been around for for that long, and I think that they are a, remarkable animals for that reason. But after you watch a movie like The Meg, do you really think that remaking Jaws, a movie about a 25-foot eating machine, is really going to scare anybody? No. And, like, the thing is, the it's thing about not. The Meg, it's, like, I think they realize, like, it's really hard to make something as profoundly scary as Jaws. Um, so they kind of leaned into the camp of it. The Meg is is it's bombastic and really over the top. Yes, this is a summer blockbuster film, and I think where the Meg gets lost in the weeds is is the spectacle and not about like the tone or the tension or the scare factor. Plus, Dave, before the Meg, you had shark movies that were regular sized sharks. Before that, you had The Shallows with Blake Lively. You had, which had that whole stalking element, like instead of the shark going back out to the ocean, it decided to go after her for whatever reason, because she was there. Um, and then you have 47 meters down. You open water. Like there have been. Oh, deep blue sea. <laughs> deep blue sea. <laughs> I love deep blue sea. I, the plot so is so stupid. I. I love that movie so much. I love that movie. That movie. Was we should review deep blue sea. Okay, Shark Week. Shark Week 2021. We're gonna do deep blue sea. Deep blue sea. We're gonna do all the shark movies. We'll do the Meg. We'll yeah. We'll do all of them. But that. But so that's that's kind of my point. We've already seen sharks, like regular shark movies like regular size shark movies that attempt to sort of find a new way to terrify you with sharks. And I don't think any of them have been nearly as successful as Jaws was. And I don't know what else you could do short of finding a way to build a better mechanical shark. Which you won't, it won't it happen. That way. It won't, you, it, you won't see that. Unless, unless like someone like George Miller or someone like, 
Chris Nolan, someone who has the the buying power to put his foot down or her foot down and be like, no, I want, I, have... I want, I want a thirty foot fully mechanical robotic shark because it's just so much easier uh, from a production state or quote unquote easier or 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 in the interest of studio execs like cheaper. Uh, obviously, I mean, for example, the Meg, like that's like the last major big shark film, and like obviously that that is it's a big budget film for making a megalodon. Obviously, you can't make like a hundred foot long shark. Um, I mean, you could try. You could try, but like I mean, honestly, like unless unless like you know, like you get someone has who has that clout and that power, you know, most of like, but I think most of the time you're just gonna have like a CGI film and like there is good CGI, but you know what's great about Jaws uh is that they, they worked with what they had. They they took like the the Alfred Hitchcock, Robert Rodriguez school filming thing where like use what you got and you know you make smart tricks and then if something breaks, we'll just find a clever s- solution and and what we what footage we did get um of of bruce and shark it's just it's it's it looks great it looks awesome it looks real um same thing with like another one of steven spielberg's films like right now in 2020 because coronavirus is you know ravaging like amc and, and regal driving driving theaters are making a comeback and what's number one in, in theaters right now or what's number one in the movies right now jurassic park jurassic park is number one in films uh right now in the box office because steven spoke uh, and his amazing team uh you know they they made dinosaurs look real exactly like, come on. yeah they make sharks look real they make dinosaurs look real and like they're just they're they're just talented and smart and like they know what they just know they yeah they just know where to put the CGI and like they're smart about it and I don't think when you have a remake unless unless I mean, you, don't get me wrong I'm, if they get like some crazy new awesome director who like understand or truly understands uh and goes for the the road less traveled we could have a great Jaws remake like but is it likely I don't think so and do we need it. I don't think so because this movie, this movie's timeless. I mean, it's it still holds up so so much. Forty five years later, uh, and it still gives you that sense of thrill, that sense of scare, that sense of of grandeur. And I think you should just you know, it's a classic for a reason. You should respect the classics. Respect the classics. So here's so here's the issue that I have. I thought that Jaws looked so real when I was growing up. I. Uh, it was effective and it was good and I was like riding this high until one day I was talking about it with a group of people and this girl was like, well, that movie's not scary. And I said, well, maybe not to you, but it's scary plenty of other people. Like sharks are genuinely terrifying. But that's not what a shark looks like. I said, yes, it is. And I showed her a picture of a great white shark and she goes, that's not how a shark moves. I said, what the hell are you talking about? She goes, their jaws don't do that. And I'm, I went, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, what? She was like, their mouths don't move like that. And I thought she was just being a sassy little shit, but she was right. And knowing that and then watching the movie again, like took the magic out of it for me. And I couldn't watch it for a couple of years. <laughs> 
because the the shark in jaws it moves its mouth up and down like like it's eating real sharks don't do that their their bottom jaw is like locked which is why they have that tearing motion Mm-hmm. It's, a, but, it's like it's like literally sawing your food left and right. Exactly. Yeah. So, but because I was young enough that it, ha- I like le- I allowed that to have an impact on me. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that there's, if you dare to make a remake, there's a rumor that they supposedly have their eyes on Andy Muschietti as the director, with Spielberg producing it. What has uh, Andy Muschietti had done? He did it. Oh my God! <laughs> you know what? Okay, I, I, it's smart. I'm sorry. I just I'm terrible with names. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, if he wants to do a realistic looking shark, in Lockjaw included, that like stalks the town, you better have a really good looking shark. <laughs> That's <laughs> all I'm gonna say. No, no, you know what Andy Machete's gonna do? She's gonna tame a real life great white shark. No, because gonna... that's what you would do. Yes. <laughs> you would find a great white shark baby and raise it. Yes. I'll raise film. it as my own. And then I'll, I'll, I'll and I I'll and he will he yeah, Bruce Bruce Jr. will love me and and, and I will love and Bruce tear Jr. you to and tear you to pieces. Yes. Tear you to pieces. Yes, it's beautiful. I can't with you. <laughs> I can't with you. This movie is a classic for a reason. I think, I feel like we've been saying this a lot when we watch like certain movies that we hear might have a remake. This movie is a classic for a reason. Ryan just put embargoes on remakes for everything. <laughs> right, because I, there are so many like original stories to tell. I feel like even I feel like I even said this way before I saw the trailer for it. But I even poo pooed a Candyman remake too because I didn't see a reason for it until you realize the story that they're going to tell you and you realize why it's so important and relevant now that you would want a Candyman remake. So. I've sort of I've I've let up on that movie specifically, but I feel like that there are so many other stories you could be telling that are out there that people are just afraid to take a chance on an original idea because they're not sure of the monetary value of it. And if that's how that's not how you should be looking at movies, that's not why people get into them. They get into them because they love them and they want to tell stories. I mean, that's how the disheartening. Hollywood. How disheartening do you are like? Do you think that that is as a as a as a filmmaker, as someone who has all of these ideas, to now know that unless it has a certain dollar sign, like a certain like dollar sign amount attached to it, no one's going to touch it. That's so heartbreaking. It is and it, it, and you know in the in the current Hollywood model, it's 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 like it's like it's the lazy dollar approach it's like well it's so much more work to like build a franchise or build a concept from the ground up while over here oh uh jaws or it or or you know um i don't know like what you want transformers or you know something from the 80s uh that's that was really popular the wolfman dracula the Wolf- any of the universal monster movies like those are all the invisible man just got remade now granted i still haven't seen it so i can't really say anything about it but i just i don't see a need for it i don't i mean i 
I, for, Jordan for me, Peele like, gave us two very original concepts for horror movies, and they were absolutely incredible. He didn't. He won an Oscar for Get Out, didn't he? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. All I, original storytelling. Yeah, it, and it's 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 very strange. Like uh, right now, like sequels and remakes, they're they're the safe market, and like unless. Unless you like really distinguish yourself out of the crowd, like Jordan Peele or Ari Aster, um, you know, then only then where you have like this, you know, quote unquote, like free pass to like do your own original stuff. And I, I, I yeah, I get, I get, like it's, it's, it's a, it's a business, and it's movie, making movies are expensive, but at the same time, it's like I don't know. Uh, it's just it's just it just seems depressing unnecessary or it's just it's just it's just it's just sobering and there's like it sucks that you have to go through so many hoops to try to make something truly original i mean they took they took an original novel and turned it into a knockout of a summer blockbuster in 1975 that's fucking incredible yeah and this and like props to like they they just went through so much trouble making this film like it's insane it's insane like how many how many pitfalls and and obstacles they overcame and you know they you know everyone got their just desserts what's the, do you have a, like a specific memory of the first time you watched this movie like what you were doing when it was uh God, who you were movie, with so this movie i mean this movie's been around so long I feel like I I have very very little recollection of when I first watch it. Like I feel like I I just remember like obviously like that scene where Bruce comes out of the water and he's jump he b- jumps onto the boat. I clearly remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I was watching it with my 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 dad and my bro when we were very young. I feel fig- I figure like there's probably like indie movie theaters out there who do like a yearly film festival to play it. Th- but I, I've never seen Jaws in, on the big screen, which is something I want I want to change sometime in the okay. future. But but yeah, I, I I don't have a lot of memories watching it early on. Uh, I I do remember watching it in full, like sometime like like uh, like on my own in full, like sometime in like late middle school, early high school. Um, honestly, like the, my most profound childhood memories of Jaws was the Jaws ride. Cause oh like, my God. and it's great. It's like, hell yeah. Chris. So, <laughs> I miss that ride so much. Okay. So two things. One, I saw an article a couple of years ago where obviously they're not doing it this year, but every year for the 4th of July, they do a Jaws screening in the water. Like there are people sitting out on a lake on tubes watching Jaws. That's great. Let's go. Let's no, do I it. Would do that. I would do that. In our stupid fucking bathing, I would sit there and I would do that. I'd be terrified the whole time, but I would do it. It would be fun. It, uh, is that an ongoing? I mean, obviously not this year because I think COVID. it's an ongoing thing. I would have to like. I would have to just look it back All up right, to be sure. I'm not talking out of my ass, but I think it's an ongoing thing. 2021, we're doing it. Let's go. Okay. Let's go. Okay. All right. Shark week. I'm down. I'm down. Shark week, I'm down. So here's the thing. Fourth of July, 
there was a certain point in my life where Fourth of July started to be just between my my father and I because my mother would travel, so we would go watch the fireworks on like the roof of the building. But during the day, there would be movie marathons on, and we would always watch Jaws for the Fourth of July without it, like every single time. But for whatever reason, I can't. The first time I remember watching Jaws, it's like I blocked the whole first first like majority of the movie out because the biggest memory that stood out to me was the three guys in the middle of the ocean on a boat singing a drunken sea shanty together <laughs> and comparing scars. And it was basically like that last chunk of the movie, I guess, that had the biggest impact on me when I was a kid that I remember watching with my dad. I, d I couldn't tell you why. I could not tell you why. Well, well, the reason why it's so iconic is like, it's just like, well, one, obviously, is the shark hunt, which it's so, like, again, like, that's, those clever tricks are, are great. Like, um, that shark hunt is about like 40 minutes long, but so much of it, you don't see the shark like they use barrels uh barely like, they use the moving flotation barrels to mark where the shark is or isn't you know at the same time it's building like this sense of camaraderie between the, the three uh three hunters and um you see that it's kind of like similar to other movies like like uh stand by me or uh, just other just other films where like your th your people are thrown into like these crazy impossible terrifying situations and they form this strange bond with each other to cope and like that that i that's definitely one of my favorite scenes like just the three of them just drunkenly sharing stories and scars and uh and, and you know shout outs to R richard dreyfus like just being such so much of the co comedic element um, of this film like because without him like like the and this is very deliberate on spielberg's part like it just would have been such a grim dark seafaring adventure the like and you know so dreyfus definitely you know gave that levity brody or rub schneider uh provided that pov of the audience where he's like the everyday man and then you have quint like this crazy crazy drunken sailor uh, uh who drives the conflict in the action so i i just like that trifecta of like dynamics is so good i love this movie i might not like sharks i might appreciate them from a distance which has everything to do with this movie but man oh man do i enjoy it there's nothing like celebrating the fourth of july with ice cold beverages alcoholic and non a good a good barbecue and a fucking shark. Yes. <laughs> yes. Shark yeah. burgers. Um, um, <laughs> that I'm sure is illegal somewhere. It, it probably, it probably, it is. probably is. <laughs> also like some sharks are endangered. So please be kind. Please don't eat sharks. <laughs> yes. Please don't be bad. Don't. Yes. Don't, don't, don't be one of those people who like hunts sharks and sells their fins and stuff. That's oh, bad. That makes me so sad. Uh, so I think we should close it out with our favorite, favorite scenes, um, favorite scenes that, and ratings. Yeah. Uh, definitely, definitely the scene where, um, you know, there's, there's, there's just drunk talk about scars. Like that scene, is just such a great character building moment. 
and you, you it's like the it's like a turning point uh where you actually see like the men create mutual respect for each other because mm-hmm. yeah, for so much of the film like especially Hooper and um Quint they're always at each other's throat making fun of each other or like Quint's always like looking down on on Hooper but like this is like that's like the turning point in the relationship I was like just like it's just so classic like when uh Quint just feeding the chum and like Bruce just sneaking up on the water and he's like he just backs away slowly it's like he he's like you're gonna need a bigger boat and it's like oh it's so good and which that, is that an line, iconic line that line was ad-libbed like that's crazy that, that was not even scripted it was just like oh my gosh great great stuff um and like obviously like uh the the the, the final scene where where it's just it's just bro is mano mano man versus bruce and brody blowing up uh uh the, the final kill bruce. The, the brody killing bruce um obviously like you know myth mythbusters they did an episode about this in like 2003 like all about jaws so they they proved and debunked a bunch of things and one of the things obviously that you know wouldn't have happened is if you were shot that canister uh, that scuba gear uh it wouldn't have exploded like it did uh but hey it made for a really climactic ending and, and yeah. it was awesome and it was such Smile, a you, you know, son of a bitch exactly like again like jaws just created like the summer blockbuster and then brody gave like that badass one-liner before killing the big boss at the end oh really good so those <laughs> that's are my how chris ones. wants to go out exactly yes <laughs> take on me Bruce. Fury, <laughs> on fury road exactly yeah you know with you a, know what with a great one-liner yes yes and sharks i want sharks and sharks and sharks. And sharks okay okay i think okay so i'm a psychopath because i get giddy anytime the shark kills somebody so i mm. i enjoy that because you can't you don't really see anything so i just enjoy the way they got around all of that yeah just but seeing I, christy just being dragged left and right like, ah! between know, that so, and and so the kid haunted. you just you see the bubbles and then you just see blood but i think where it starts to get really horrifying before you actually see the the shark in full kill someone is when they're in the pond the man goes over the kids go over and the shark goes right for the guy pulls him under and then you just see a leg that's been bitten off just floats to the bottom of the ocean then the shark's going right for the youngest kid and it's it just goes right by him the whole scene is just so well done I I just love any time that the shark, basically anything where the shark kills someone, and like that whole end bit of the movie with the three of them on the boat. I just think I could watch those isolated points in the film over and over and over again, and still have a good time. So anything with that, agreed. I give this four point five bruces. I would give it five out of five bruces because you just want a bruce. I just want, I want to Bruce. The ride. I love Bruce. I love sharks. I'm a little bit biased. And, uh, you know, Steven Spielberg is just, you know, just extremely talented. The, the actors, the team, they just, you know, despite all odds, you know, they brought in their A game and, you know, they created a classic you could, you could watch every 4th of July. So thank you. Thank you, everyone who worked on Jaws. Yeah. Thanks for my 4th of July tradition. Wait, wait, Uncle Sam's not your not your Fourth of July 
No, Chris. That movie shouldn't be anyone's. No, no. That movie shouldn't be anyone's for the July tradition. That movie was so bad. Why was he green, Chris? Why was he green? He was green and had yellow eyes. It made no sense. Coming next, 4th of July, it's Bruce versus Uncle Sam. Who will win? Bruce would tear him to pieces, and I would be so happy. Um, But yeah. Uh, you know what would, would make us happy? You know, everyone uh, in the Left for Dread community and family, you know, having a safe 4th of July. You, you should just do what we do. Just sit back with some, some beers, watch Jaws on repeat, have some burgers, you know, but safe social distancing. Go out. Like, don't, don't, you don't need fireworks. Bruce has all the fireworks. Okay. So Bruce is the firework. So watch Jaws. Watch Jaws. On that note, thank you for listening to another episode of Left for Dread. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Everything helps. You can listen to us on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify every Friday. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Left for Dread Pod. You can find us on Facebook, and you can check us out on our website at leftfordread.com. Uh, again, you know, I have a very, very happy 4th of July. Have a safe one. And uh, we hope you enjoy this episode as much as we had fun recording it and bruce bruce hail bruce um (laughs) hail bruce Bruce. and uh, with that you know stay tuned we got some more awesome uh episodes coming down the pipeline for you and we're 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 making canon right now we're doing deep blue sea uh because i love that movie so much so we're gonna have like a shark week 2021 (laughs) marathon episode thing it's gonna be great I'm, i'm excited so thank you, and get excited for next week because I, Chris, I hope this hasn't changed. But the last time we talked about this movie, you still hadn't seen it, which is perfect because I have. We are getting into probably the gore, one of the goriest movies on that we've done so far on this show. Not that I've ever seen, but this these movies are pretty fucking gory. We are diving into the world of Art the Clown. With All Hallows Eve and the Terrifier, you're in for a fucking trip. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm excited. It's Gore Central. I am. I'm excited. So. Which is a little different for us, but Chris, I know you enjoy a good gore movie, so I'm excited. It's like Bruce. I need the gore. <laughs> <laughs> that's your chum. <laughs> yes, that's my chum. Okay. Um, so yeah, with that, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, and don't forget, stay, stay dreadful. dreadful. <laughs>